0: Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light reading, exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I am delighted to speak with Rhode Island State Representative Deborah Ruggiero. Representative Ruggiero recently made some news when Cox Communications announced it would invest $120 million to build fiber and expand its network in the state, prompting the representative and her colleagues to release a statement calling out the incumbents' years of underinvestment and pushing for more federal funds to close the state's digital divide. Rep. Ruggiero joins me today to discuss the state of broadband access in the state of Rhode Island, what's holding up progress, and why she is fighting to pass a bill that would establish a broadband council at the state level. Representative Ruggiero, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Good morning, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. It's my pleasure. So just to start off, tell me a bit about your role representing uh, the state of Rhode Island and as well as um, the state of broadband in, in the state of Rhode Island. Tell me a bit about your broadband history and where the state is today.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm Representative Deb Ruggiero. I represent Middletown and Jamestown here in Rhode Island, District 74. I've been a state rep for 14 years. I serve on House Finance Committee, so I've been framing the state budget for eight of those years. I've chaired the Small Business Committee and now the uh, House Innovation Internet and Technology Committee. Um, The broadband quest began for me in 2019, when I actually uh, was tapped by Clark University, for an online master's in public administration and senior leadership online. I thought, oh, how cool is that? And so my master's was on broadband in Rhode Island. Of course, by 2020, fifth graders were learning online because of COVID, right? So I've done a deep dive the last uh, two years and uh, on broadband and the technology um, and you know, graduated in May uh, with my master's. Congratulations. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was something that was on the the a bucket list, But to your question about the history of broadband in Rhode Island, you know, in 2010, Rhode Island, just like every other state, successfully utilized the federal BTOP funding, Broadband Technologies Opportunity Program under then President Obama. And I think what we've learned is there's no doubt broadband is as important in the 21st century as electricity was. In the 20th century. So from 2010 to 2015, Rhode Island had a broadband office with five full-time employees securing federal dollars. Somewhere along the line, um, that office was totally dismantled. So for the past eight years, Rhode Island has been one of only two states in the nation without any broadband governance, without any broadband office. So we have not been getting any of the federal dollars. So that's some of the backdrop Um, in 2010, just like every other state, uh, we received 21.7 million in federal dollars and there was 10 million in a combination of state and other grants and um, ocean, which is the ocean state higher education, economic development and administrative network, a nonprofit that serves hospitals, universities, colleges, schools, libraries, um, contracted with Cox, the incumbent cable company to build out the 48 strands of fiber that run throughout the state. It's known as the middle mile, right? Mm-hmm. And we use about 10 of those strands for the nonprofits. So as I like to say, our meds and eds in Rhode Island are served with high speed fiber broadband. Uh, and that's important, right? Because you need that in order to really do business, um, in Rhode Island. But what it means uh, from a state government perspective is that our small businesses, our residents and municipalities do not have access to this information technology highway. So there are no on or off ramps in Rhode Island for anyone else to access that middle mile of fiber. We are using coaxial cable copper. Gotcha. Okay,
0: so Wow, there's a lot I want to follow up on in there. Um, First of all, what happened to the broadband office to begin with?
1: It was just dismantled. And those five FTEs went on in other capacities because Mm -hmm. they are, you know, state workers. So who went to EMA, who went to commerce, um, but for the past eight years, Uh, you know, I think the incumbent cable company has done a terrific job of lobbying the executive and the legislative branch and saying, don't worry, we understand this. It's our business. Government should not be in this business. We'll take care of it. But when I have conversations with NTIA, you know, which is part of U S commerce, they would call and say, you know, has your bill passed? We have money for Rhode Island. And I said, no, it hasn't. Um, so we've lost out every year. On hundreds of millions of dollars of federal grants, and then what happens, of course, is you know a bipartisan Congress, right, in November of 2021, passes the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act, appropriating 65 billion dollars with a B for broadband. So now every state will see a minimum of 100 million dollars for broadband. So let's ask the question: Why was this massive appropriation for broadband infrastructure? even done by the feds well it's because many states just have not been getting what they need from the commercial market the incumbent cable providers have really not stepped up when it comes to fast affordable reliable broadband which you know we know is internet mm-hmm. and let's face it you know the fcc requirement of 25 download and 3 upload i mean you, you, that's like dial up with yeah. aol you can't even run two computers in your household so You know, and so that's why I introduced legislation in Rhode Island, House Bill 7083, that creates a voluntary broadband advisory council. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our state tends to work in silos. So what we're doing here, Nicole, is we have state agencies, businesses, municipal leaders, you coalesce everyone, and you begin looking at technology trends. What are the best practices from other states who've been doing broadband infrastructure, municipal broadband, and all of this for the past eight years while Rhode Island has sat on the sidelines? So I think the council will play a very important advisory role as Rhode Island moves forward in broadband, because we, like every other state, want to access those hundreds of millions of dollars, right?
0: Yes. And in addition to hundreds of millions of dollars for broadband deployment, there's also money to stand up at broadband offices in the remaining states that don't have them. So it makes right. perfect sense to get going on passing your bill. Um, how is it looking for the state of your bill? <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, I think what's going to happen, um, the state of the bill had a great hearing in the house. There was no one who opposed it except for the incumbent cable company, you know, um, and I understand that, but it was, it was everybody came in and support municipalities, businesses, um, the real estate. Agencies, uh, Rhode Island Secretary of Commerce, Stephen Pryor, um, Ocean, Dave Marble, who runs the nonprofit network, you know, wrote a letter saying the lack of a Rhode Island broadband office or advisory council has really been a weak spot in Rhode Island's efforts to build the next generation of digital infrastructure. There is some pushback, you know, in the Senate. And that is in part because, you know, they they have, um, you know, there are a lot of lobbyists running around the statehouse. How many lobbyists in the statehouse? You know, WPRI-TV uh, did a, an investigative report, interviewed me on it. I did not know. They went from two lobbyists last year to mm-hmm. 10 this year. Two so, to 10. Yeah, two to 10, right. God. That almost... <laughs> so <laughs> at the end of the day, um, the governor whom I met with last year, too, you know, took an interest in this because, you know, this is economic development. It's education. We do, we no longer go online. We live online, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. telehealth, remote learning. So the governor did put a small part of this in his budget, you know, article nine. It's a shell of a council. So my hope is to just flesh it out in the budget. And since I sit on house finance, You know, and the House under our state constitution is responsible for framing the state budget. The role of the Senate is advice and consent on gubernatorial appointments. So I think people are recognizing the importance of this. Um, I've written a lot of op-eds, Nicole, uh, because you've got to educate people. Yeah. You know, it's complicated. It's like electricity. People don't want to know how electricity (laughs) works. They just want to know when I hit that light switch, the lights go on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was, you know, I'm thinking here, well, how do we get support for Rep Rep Ruggiero's bill? Uh, You got to get your constituents calling in. But do your constituents understand that there's a need for a broadband council in order to solve the digital divide issue in Rhode Island? Probably not.
1: Yes. No, I believe people are finally getting well, it good. Um, the other side of it, of course, is you've got, you know, the incumbent cable company saying everything's great. You know, 99% of the people have fiber running outside their door, which is true. Mm-hmm. However, how do you connect that last mile? Mm-hmm. Right. And what do you do? And cable is an HFC platform. It's hybrid fiber coaxial. You know, the fiber runs from the head end to the nodes and then from the nodes to your house, to my business, it's coaxial copper cable. You know, it will last, you know, three, five, eight years. Fiber is the future. Now, how municipalities and businesses get that depends on, you know, either government saying here are some grants. If you can put paper to pen and decide if it works in your municipality. I know a number of business people who have paid $18,000 to connect their business to the middle mile because they need very big upload and download speeds to do business. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I mean, there's a company in Newport, um, environmental, um, they, they do the heavy upload of data. At the wind at the uh, wind farms out in the ocean, so they need fiber for that kind of capacity. Yeah, you know, Inspire Environmental was about to leave Rhode Island and go to Massachusetts, where it's much more affordable and they have access to fiber. Uh, but we were able to keep them in Rhode Island because there is one place in Newport, um, the um, Innovate. Uh, incubator on on uh, Broadway in Newport that is wired for fiber. They paid I think about seventeen thousand from the telephone pole to the building, but it's enough to keep some companies in there to have access. So you don't realize how important this is. And as I said, Rhode Island, one of only two states right in the country. The other is Mississippi, mm-hmm. and I understand that they're working um, pretty hard, you know, to get their own um, broadband system up and running. There was also, um, in a recent, um, I would, I guess a survey data study, uh, mission broadband and read consulting was hired by uh, connect greater Newport. It's the economic development arm of the, uh, greater Newport chamber of commerce. So you can read their report at connect greater Newport. Dot com. Mm-hmm. And what it says is that 14% of Rhode Islanders are unserved, meaning no internet whatsoever. And is that what speed standard is that by? Well, unserved is they have no internet. 42% are underserved. Internet. Okay. Okay. Underserved meaning, you know, they don't, they have the, the uh, 25, three, but the new FCC requirement, at least for the feds to access this money is a hundred download, yeah, 20 yeah. upload. Exactly. I with, with my cable, you know, I have a business and obviously a home and, and we are one of the eight communities in the state where there is a monopoly. There is no choice. There is just one internet provider. My upload is about nine, maybe 12 megabits per second oh my god yeah my well they sell you on the download you know right. we can give you 150 200 but as you and i both know nicole yeah. this is not 1998 we're not just downloading netflix right you know it's interactive look at us now in this interview i have to see you and hear you yes and i'm running multiple uh data
0: consuming <laughs> uh, yeah i bet you are to do this um yep. you know one bit of uh uh, the, your incumbent provider, uh, I think, had pushed back on the idea of, of needing uh, a broadband council or, or something related to that. In, and it said related to its recent investment um, that the federal funds that are forthcoming could be put toward digital equity um, and affordability. Uh, so what can you tell me about uh, why that
1: isn't enough? Uh, Well, I believe that the incumbent cable company certainly should have access to some of these federal funds funds to help with those who are underserved, I mean, unserved. (laughs) If you have no internet whatsoever, then the plan is to do fixed wireless, right? You run something from a telephone pole to the roof of a building, and all of a sudden the folks in that low-income housing have access to a signal. And that's really important because you need to have, you know, wireless, you need to have, you know, something where you can go online. But for big businesses who need the big upload speeds, as I talked about, you know, that's the 42% who are underserved in the market. And many are paying a lot for poor service and unreliable service, mm-hmm. you know, in a community last weekend in Portsmouth, you know, the cable went out for like five hours. They had no phone service, no cable. Now think about how do you run a business when you don't have the internet, right? Right. So I'm not saying that, you know, they shouldn't access some of the federal funds. I'm just recommending that as a state, we look at the future, you know, fixed wireless is a great solution, but it's a five, six year bandaid. It is going to fall off. Yes. What are we doing to look at getting to mega gigabit speeds in the next five to 10, 15 years? right? Right. Our upload speeds and our bandwidth is changing dramatically every three years. So in 10 years from now, what we have is going to be so woefully insufficient.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I'm going to let you get back to representing the wonderful
0: people of (laughs) Rhode Island. Um, They are very lucky to have you and I'll be keeping up with uh, how it all goes with your, with your bill. I'm rooting for you.
1: Well, thanks. I think we'll put it in the budget and, you know, call it a day. Yeah. When uh, does the
0: budget negotiations get wrapped up? We do
1: that in June. Oh, June. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, even, even Rhode Island Commerce has said they need help. You know, they need to have the um, ocean, you know, the the broadband, the companies and everyone's at the table. I have the incumbent cable company on this broadband advisory council. No, my goal is to be inclusive Mm -hmm. and to be a consensus builder. But I am going to slap somebody down when they say we're going to spend 20 million dollars to do fiber to the premises over four communities over three years. That math does not work. You cannot do four hundred dollars per, you know, household or business.
0: That's what I like to hear from my state representatives. So thank you so much for all of your work. (laughs) And thank you so much for giving me a bit of your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, Nicole, my joy. Thank you. Stay well. Ciao.
0: Thank you again, Representative Ruggiero for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landreau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team.